Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Greetings, friends. This is Matt Drink on your host for another exciting episode of The Eternal Optimist Podcast. And as we dive in today, I have a question for you. How often do you look in the mirror and take ownership for your own attitude and your own effort? And if you're driving right now, don't look too long in the mirror. But if you're at home, pause, go look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, what do I need to own about my own attitude and my own effort? And today, my friends, as you listen to the show, you will hear someone who did exactly that, who looked into what she would call her accountability miller, accountability mirror. And as she did, Ellie Mackay found that she didn't like who she'd become and she did something about it. And you can too, my friends. Listening to the story today from Miss Ellie Mackay, who is now world famous as an entrepreneur. Now she's over the pond, for those of you listening here in the United States, she's in uh, the UK. She is in the creative real estate space. And when I mean creative, I mean that she creates properties that are amazing. She and her husband buy properties and they helped transform them into amazing spaces. She had no knowledge of this industry when she got into it. She chose to use her greatest strength, and that strength is that she's always learning. She's a big fan of Jim Rohn and his philosophies. She's a competitor. She's someone that, at a very young age, had a great responsibility. And then, as she became a parent, uh, the challenges of having so many things on her plate got to her and ultimately she hit rock bottom and then she turned it all around and she's here to tell you that story today she is transparent she is real authentic she is absolutely amazing she is a rock star and she is the eternal optimist avatar this is an amazing conversation we can learn a lot and she's english she has an amazing accent you will enjoy her energy is so contagious i hope you enjoy this conversation like i did with miss ellie mckay enjoy Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And with that introduction, I am very pleased to introduce a new friend, Ellie McKay, live from the UK. Ellie, how are you this afternoon? Hey, what a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm really excited. Yeah, very excited. I don't speak to people with your accent very often, so I am thrilled and I love your accent already. And uh, I would love to just dive right in. I started to follow you on uh, social media when we started to connect. And uh, I'm going to go back to a, a post that you had on August 20th. Oh, no. 
I, <laughs> this could go anywhere. I love to start so by asking about what's a challenge that you've experienced in your life that you've overcome or that you're learning to overcome. And there's a particular post here that really touched my heart. It was a picture of you and your daughter. And uh, I go down the post, I'm looking at it. And one of the challenges it says in here is that I had to remind myself daily of the commitment I made to myself several years ago to no longer accept a mediocre life. And I'm wondering if you could take us back to that period in life where you felt things were heavy and challenging and maybe there was mediocrity, whatever that challenging period was, I'd love to dive into that first and hear the story and how you've kind of come to be who you are today, Ellie. What's really interesting, I think for the vast majority of people, if they're being truly honest with themselves, they know that deep down they are capable of far more than their current reality. That was certainly my experience. I was somebody that was always a bit of a go-getter. I had a, let's just say, a colourful start in life as a teenager, but I managed to overcome some adversity and ended up in quite a high-performance role. I worked in sales. I had quite a large team. And at a very young age, in my late teens, early 20s, I was responsible for 100 people and things were going really well but then things happened life life has a happen uh, has a habit of throwing a few curveballs at you a few grenades and I'm going to be frank, I just became a a bit of a victim. I allowed myself to become a victim. And for the best part of a decade, I was on all sorts of medication. I was on antidepressants. I was on medication for anxiety. I really struggled with my sort of confidence and self-esteem. And a few sort of key things happened. My husband had an electrical business that he was scaling with a fair degree of success. And in 2016, a large contractor over here in the UK went bankrupt. And when they went down, they almost took us down with them. They they owed us a very significant amount of money. And it kind of came down to the wire whether or not we were going to be able to keep trading, which thankfully we were able to, but we took such a hit that for quite a while it was quite dicey whether or not we were going to lose our family home. And it was a really highly stressful situation. And I'm a great believer now in energy and the law of attraction, but during that particular period of my life, it was like the law of attraction, but not in the way that you would want it really. It was like we were magnetizing drama and adversity. And it was just one thing after another. I had a very complicated pregnancy. I was hospitalized and in that hospital for quite a few months and quite a few things happened. We lost my father-in-law very unexpectedly to, to cancer. I had postnatal depression. And Matt, have I got permission to overshare with your listeners. <laughs> well, after the birth of our second daughter, Isabella, she was born in the midst of all this chaos. And as I just alluded to a moment ago, it been quite a complicated pregnancy. Thankfully, everything was absolutely fine. But we were very much happy with our decision, blessed to have had our two children so much and forgive the overshare here, but my husband had actually booked in. I don't know if you have the same word for it over in the States, but for a vasectomy, we call it the sniff over here. Oh, oh yeah. I've heard of such things. Okay. So my husband was booked in for the procedure on the Monday. And on the Friday before, I found out I was pregnant <laughs> with our third and most 
definitely final little boy Samuel so it was a very very interesting time and as all of this was happening we had Samuel and it's the the best thing that could have happened he's five years old now and he's just such a gift it was 100% made to be and I count my blessings every single day but the reality at the time that's not necessarily fell initially and I had quite a mediocre jog the days of being in any sort of high performance role were well and truly behind me I had I chose to sacrifice that job to be there and support my family because of some personal issues that were going on at the time and I was working in the prison service I'd worked there for nine years helping prisoners rehabilitate them and resettle them on release from custody and I actually got made redundant whilst I was on maternity leave so whilst I was still off with my little boy when he was less than than 12 months old and that was actually a pivotal moment for me because at that point I found myself in a situation where I was actually claiming we call it benefits welfare I think you guys would call it over there it was quite a shameful time truth be told I remember walking into the job centre which is where you go to fill out your paperwork and to get your state benefits with my double pram and I just remember sitting here thinking how has my life amounted to this from somebody who was responsible for 100 members of staff how am I sat here now depending on the state to get my 70 pounds a week and don't get me wrong we weren't destitute Matt we were your stereotypical middle class up until that point we had a nice house nice cars a couple of holidays a year but we had nothing in the bank we had no clue about building generational wealth or money management or anything like that But I think sitting there at that job centre at that moment, that was my rock bottom. And that was the moment that I looked myself in the mirror. And not only did I make a commitment to myself to succeed, but I made a commitment to forgive my language, but to really succeed. Those were the words that came out of my mouth. Oh, my gosh. Ellie, this journey, I mean, you had me in tears. And then you have me laughing. So I appreciate that. Just to recap, finance stress, mindset stress, complicated pregnancy. And those of us who've had that can relate to that and relate to all of those things right there. And then the little humor there about the sniff. Yeah, we call it that. It's the excuse to sit on the couch and watch golf for the weekend. Uh, But I hear these things. High performance role, leading 100 people into the prison system and then to the job center where you feel you've hit rock bottom. And that's where we are right now. And Then you come to the place you're using words that you didn't know at that time. You didn't know what generational wealth and real financial planning and real whatever's about to come next. You didn't know about that time. So I'd love to start there. Lift us up because you shared the hard part. So those of us out there who know that there's hard stuff, Ellie just shared it. And that was hard as hell. I mean, it was hard to listen. It was really painful in my heart to hear the, the painful part, especially complicated pregnancy, that was the part that was the hardest to hear for me personally. It was such a compelling story to start. Let's take our listeners here at the Eternal Optimist podcast to the place of where you're leading us now. Let's go ahead. <laughs> the reason I share the struggles with such candor is because I think it's quite easy to look at people that we perceive to be successful when we see them, you know, confidently putting themselves out there in social media or doing public speaking or whatever the situation may be and think it's all right for them and the reason I talk about this with such passion is because it absolutely wasn't all right with me I knew deep down I was capable of more but I felt completely worthless at the time my anxiety would be so bad on certain days that it was a real challenge even being able to leave the house and 
all the things that I'd believed in when I had been successful back in the day, in my late teens, early 20s, when I used to follow people like Tony Robbins, I turned my back on that. And I just thought that was a load of woo-woo, happy, clappy BS. Interestingly, the correlation for me of, of not believing and buying into this alternative world was 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 linked to, to a really negative sort of period in my life but it was actually my husband it was just very interesting how it all came about it was we were actually in a three-way business partnership or electrical business and our other business partner's cousin who was very successful in the construction space he was out in Dubai building all sorts of huge buildings and what have you very smart very clever guy he'd actually done some property education now I wasn't familiar with the wealth creation space at all and my husband and his business partner and her business partner had decided to actually go and go and do this training and I mean that wasn't for people like me like I say I was in a very different mind frame back then I was still very much struggling with my own mental health at that point yeah I mentioned Tony Robbins a moment ago but my husband was listening to it's a sort of prerequisite to do this training there was quite a few modules that you would do at home and he had it on apple play on the big screen in the telly and the first module was actually mindset and one of the property coaches was talking about tony and quoting him and saying if something's humanly possible then why not you and it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks and it ignited a fire in my belly that had extinguished many, many years before. But there was always that little ember. There was always that little ember where I knew. And and I was one of those people, I used to constantly get frustrated pretty much in any job I was in because I'd look at the infrastructure and the bureaucracy and the red tape and I just wasn't born to ever be an employee. But ironically, I'm a qualified careers advisor now, but I had no clue what I wanted to do. As a fully skilled, highly trained careers advisor, I had no clue about about my own life and there's so many of us I think fall into that category but there was no guidance around entrepreneurship or starting your own business or anything like that and I used to make a career out of helping other people extract their transferable skills yet I wasn't able to identify any of my own so I remember saying to my husband well perhaps I should go on this property training and he kind of looked at me but bit surprised thinking well he's the most supportive man in the world but it was never something that I'd shown any inclination of an interest in so anyway I made some inquiries and he and I actually went on the training together which was incredible because I don't know if I'd have had that confidence truth be told to walk through those doors had it not been for my husband and it was really interesting because we did this training and I made a commitment to go absolutely all out. It's been a hell of a journey and it's been laced with trials and tribulations. You know, that that's where it really gets started. But we went out there and we bought we had no money, bear in mind. We bought two properties within four days of doing the property training. We did 25 property deals in our first year and we've just not looked back. Wow. Wow. Well, highlight, first of all, I don't know if your husband listens to whenever you are on someone else's podcast, but if he does, bravo, Ellie's husband. That was amazing. Mr. McKay. That was awesome. Great. Isn't it great to have a supportive spouse? I mean, we can have an entire episode just around how great it is to have a supportive spouse. Because I remember there was relationships in my past where it was not as supportive. And that 
was the energy that may have been slowly dragging me down. I didn't realize that at the time. And now I'm realizing uh, I have a very supportive wife now. And you just you're sharing such a supportive husband experience. I wanted to point that out to our listeners that just it's when you have a supportive support cast, when you have that significant other or the family member that really is with you, that can make a huge difference. So yes, back to it. I love the story. You started with a little bit of an itch. The ember was still there and it caught on fire and you did it together and you went from nothing, like no properties to two to 25 in the first year. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. What was it like on that roller coaster of just riding up that whole first year must have been pretty exciting. Hey, the roller coaster, can I just tell you, it absolutely didn't just go up. For, for those of you watching this, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the thing. You go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. And that's all just before lunch. It's all the business owners and all the entrepreneurs, they know the situation. It's, and I'm very mindful not to just show the highlight reel because people do tend to put you on the pedestal. And it's really, really challenging. But something, when we got those two properties within the four days, we massively surpassed any expectations that I had of myself. And I suppose that's when I dared to believe. And I'm very passionate about standing on the shoulder of giants and getting around people that are a lot further down the path that you want to travel. And it's certainly something that's held me in good stead and I'd say is instrumental in terms of getting us to where we are today. And, and I'd also like to say that we're not even scratching the surface in terms of where we're going. But probably one of the most profound things any of my coaches or mentors has, has ever said to me was, and it was actually on that first five-day property intensive training that I did. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not massively operational in the real estate business. I prefer connecting with people, having conversations. I tend to raise the private finance and things. I'm a social butterfly. But the thing that was really profound to me was the story of Darren Hardy, if you're familiar with Darren Hardy, he is the former editor of Success Magazine, wildly successful, wrote a book such as The Compound Effect, which I would absolutely recommend to absolutely everyone. But this particular story was when Darren went to his then mentor, Jim Rowan, the absolute godfather of personal development. And this is a true story. He wrote 40 pages front and back in finite detail of his perfect woman. He wanted to get married, he wanted a wife, and he detailed everything, not just looks, but attributes, culture, personality traits, absolutely everything. And he went to Jim and said, Jim, how do I get a woman like this into my life? And Jim just looked to him and said, Darren, you are asking the wrong question. The question that you need to ask yourself is, who do I need to become? And that just blew my mind. Because when I come on podcasts, people, they always want to know the five-step guide to becoming a millionaire or whatever else. And actually, I think the focus needs to be entirely shifted. It's who do you need to become in order to achieve that? Not what do you need to do? I love what you're saying. You are an eternal optimist. You're seeing the bright and you're learning as you go along. And that was the thing that really connected with me when you were sharing the story about your your husband and his business partner. They know about this property creation, this part over here. And I don't know that yet. And you talk to your husband. I, I'd like to learn that. You seem to be someone who's constantly a never-ending improvement, the, the can-I person who's always learning. And I think that might be the part of you that I most connect with. If I were to ask you, what's your one or two greatest strengths? How would you respond? 
relationships, one of my taglines is relationships with the highest form of currency. I think when you have the ability to communicate well with people and build relationships, you can achieve almost anything. Anything that you don't know or in our business, I always think if there's something that I need to achieve and I don't have a clue where to start, the first question I ask myself is, who do I know that can help me with this? Because when you've got such a wide net of phenomenal people in your network, there's always people that can help, that can support, that can guide you. And actually, Steve Jobs, he very eloquently put this. So Steve Jobs referred to it as, I think it was Steve Wozniak said, to, I always butcher stories, I'm terrible at remembering the details, but Steve Wozniak had said to Steve Jobs one day, you know, what is it you actually do? You seem to have a lot of free time. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing this was more in the latter stages with Apple. But Steve says, look, I'm not here to play the instruments. My job is to conduct the orchestra. And I just thought, wow, that is so, so powerful. When you can connect with people and build those relationships, you can make sure that you've constantly got the right people in your team. I always want to be the least intelligent person in the room or the least knowledgeable person in the room. My skill is surrounding myself with people who are far better than I am in all areas. Man, relationships and then... The humility of wanting to be the person who's there to learn from others in the room. I love that. Uh, fantastic skill. Well, so who do you need to become? Oh, that question. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm using the mice. Who do I need? Who do I need to become? <laughs> no, I'm asking you the question. I love your podcast and I love following you on social media. And I wonder where are you going? Who are you becoming? Help us know a little bit more about the thinking and your why. What's really interesting, so for any of the listeners who are not familiar with my podcast, because I'm guessing not, not many will be, it's called On a Mission. And the mission continually evolves and it continually changes as you're continuing to connect and to learn every single day, which is something I'm hugely passionate about. It's an absolute non-negotiable for me. And what's really interesting, Matt, is when I started off with this whole personal brand, if you want to call it that, it sounds a little bit cheesy, but it was with the sole intention, I'm very transparent about this, when I started posting on social media four or five years ago, it was with the sole intention of raising finance for the real estate business. It's a very similar model to, to like the Grant Cardone. Basically, we do property deals. We use uh, angel investment or private fi finance. That's what we do. We buy properties. We do them up. We sell them. We repay our investors. And I believe that we've all heard the expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, I like to take it one step further than that. It's not what you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. Because the more people who know who you are, the more opportunities you create for people to do business with you. And I kind of liken it to a shop window. You could have the best products in the world. You could have the best pricing structure phenomenal staff, the best customer service. But if nobody's walking past that shop and nobody knows that you're there, then it's completely irrelevant. And that's when I started to put myself out there. But here's the truth of the matter. When we first started putting ourselves out there online, we were just getting started. So we didn't have any property deals to sing and dance about. And I was trying to, without telling any lies, position myself as an authoritative figure. So rather than muddying the water, I thought, well, I'll speak about things that I can actually talk about with knowledge and passion, like 
how to be a present mum to three young children, one of which was under the age of one, the other one was one years old, and the other one was four years old, whilst trying to scale a business and do everything else that comes with that. Because there's definitely sacrifices that have to be made, especially in the early days for, for any business. And, you know, I, I would contest anyone who says otherwise, or I would be talking about the challenges of mental health or imposter syndrome or what my experiences, not just the hardships, but what I've learned and how I've managed to overcome them. And as I started to evolve my own mindset, I was sharing that with my audience. And actually, it was therapy for me. In those early days, the posts I was saying that were inspiring other people, they were aimed at me. It was all about when you're feeling this imposter syndrome, you've got to face the fear, you've got to do it anyway. I was talking to myself because I was very much still in that space. And what I actually discovered, Matt, was we hear a lot about starting with the end in mind, which is great, but there's also a strong case for start now and get perfect later and figure it out as you go. Because if you wait for all your ducks to be in a row, then you never end up achieving anything. And I started to get, well, I absolutely shocked myself because within a few weeks, within a few months of posting online, I was raising hundreds of thousands of pounds, which I didn't honestly believe I was capable of doing. But how I defined true success was the messages I was getting from people telling me that my posts were inspiring them, that it's prevented them from taking the road, that it's inspired them to come off of pharmaceutical medication that they've been taking for years, that has given them the motivation to go and start their own business. And I found that my mission started to really change. And what almost started off as a passion project, doing the podcasting and that side of thing, is actually a lot more aligned with who I am than the real estate. The real estate is the byproduct and it's great. And to this day, people listen to this podcast and they like your values. They feel like they like, know and trust you. They get in touch and they invest. So it, yes, there is that entrepreneurial element to it as well. But actually the direction and the mission now is far more around sharing the wisdom. And I think the reason it resonates with so many people is because when you see absolute legends like Tony Robbins or our mutual friend Mark Victor Hansen, they've had such incredible success. They're absolutely phenomenal at what they do, but they've been doing it for so long that I definitely think it leaves a gap in the market for people like myself who are still figuring it out, they're doing quite well for themselves, but they're very much still on the journey, still making mistakes, definitely a million levels removed from being any kind of life coach. And I think people resonate with the challenges. It's time for a quick pause in the podcast today and to pay attention to our sponsor. Do what I say I will do. Today's sponsor is a core value of an eternal optimist. Do what I say I will do. We follow through on the things that we say we're going to do. When everyone does that, everyone might get along a little bit better. Everyone might meet the expectations of others. This is one important step to follow through and do what we say we will do. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. 
first of all, I've, I equate what you just shared, start out and get perfect later. Love it. I'm going to borrow that in my coaching practice because when I'm coaching private clients in their companies, I'm talking about getting your reps in. And I'm a big, uh, most people I coach what I might call recovering perfectionists and highly functioning workaholics. And your line, start out and get perfect later. Love it. Absolutely love it. We might even title the episode. Uh, thank you. And then on the way up, as you're seeing the success now, how do you maintain your humility? How do you maintain an attitude so that your head doesn't get so big and you don't start to fall to the dark side of maybe it's greed or maybe it's self-inflation, whatever it might be? How do you maintain your humility? Because you feel to me to be very authentic and have this humility about you. I think life has a way of keeping you humble, doesn't it? Because every time that perhaps the ego gets a little bit out of check, something will happen or you'll experience some sort of challenge that will ground you and remind you to keep your feet absolutely firmly on the ground. And we're still hustling and we're still trying to achieve things. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because one of the most powerful podcast episodes that I've recorded was with a guy, and he'd be a great guest for your show, actually, Matt, called Benjamin Hardy. And he's an incredible guy. And his book, The Gap and the Gain, is so important. And the reason that I'm mentioning that to you now is because I suppose, if I'm being honest, is probably still something that I battle with. And externally, people look in and they think that you're doing incredibly well. And as much as I experience and feel gratitude every single day for the blessings in my life, mainly my beautiful family, my health, and we do have thriving businesses. But there's a bit of a sort of paradox. When you're constantly surrounding yourself with people like Mark Victor Hansen and some of my other incredible friends, they're all like decamillionaires. They're worth, I've had the founder of Reebok on the show, billionaires, people that have eclipsed anything that we have achieved by a hundred times, you can't allow your ego to get ahead because you're constantly looking at how much more there is to achieve. So I would say the biggest challenge currently is not, and this is, I think if most entrepreneurs are being honest, it's not falling into that comparison trap. It's having the gratitude from where you've come from and not just in terms of how much money you've made, but also what you've learned. And we just touched before we hit record, like how I define my success is not by how many properties I've got in my portfolio. It's more who I am as a person and how this is going to sound a bit cheesy and a bit woo-woo, but it's about how you feel inside. It's whether you're experiencing that inner peace. I don't think happiness is something that's obtainable 24 hours a day. I think a lot of people are trying to chase a false reality. But when I look at who I am now as a person, how I'm able to show up for my children and my family and the fact that I don't have suicidal tendencies anymore and that I am healthy and I'm happy, that to me is worth so much more than any amount of money that it's actually in the bank. Wow. You touch on gap in the gain. So yes, huge fan of that. A friend of mine's company produced that book. And I know Dan, Dan Sullivan spoke at an event I was at some time ago. It was about a year ago today where we introduced that concept and the who, not how book and told the story of how he met Ben and whatnot. So I'm really connecting with you on those levels. And then you're talking about the comparison game. Man, that can be seductive sometimes. When you're around a bunch of high performers all the time, I'm really with you on this one. I hear this from a lot of clients too. This is something I've gotten snapped into from time to time. And the daily 
gratitude practice of the meditation and then the writing in the journal. I got that years ago from Tim Ferriss's Tools Titans book, just how to go in there and write in your journal every day, the things you're grateful for. And then Tony Robbins and his morning practices. I'm wondering, do you have a practice that keeps you grounded in gratitude and so you're not going towards the comparison mindset? I don't know if you class it as a, a practice, but something that I try to do religiously is journaling, which I know something that, that Benjamin talks about a lot in the book as well, because yes, it's very cathartic and, and a great exercise to do. But in particular, when you look back at where you were three months ago and six months ago, if you are feeling in a little bit of a funk, because that happens to absolutely everyone and think, wow, it's interesting. Life continues to present challenges, but as the bigger you get, the bigger your challenges get. But then you look at things that perhaps stress you out three to six months ago and you think, wow, that wouldn't that wouldn't impact me one little bit now. So yeah, I think that's definitely something to do if I feel my mood dipping. But I think also it's, it's the accountability mirror. This is something that's hugely, hugely important to me. And I'm not trying to disrespect anyone who is on any sort of antidepressant or anything like that, but I can just say from my own personal experience as somebody who, who did spend the a full decade really subduing myself I was very much paper over in the cracks and I wasn't really willing to do that in your work and this is something that there are so many different levels to and as I said earlier I'm certainly no life coach I'm still peeling it's like a big onion I'm just peeling back layer after layer after layer after layer but the reality is you can at the world you can at the people in your team you can people in social media the one person that you can't it Matt is yourself and when you look into that mirror you've got absolutely nowhere to hide and this is something that I'm constantly checking in with myself daily one of the the practices that I do have as a non-negotiable is I do a five minute ice bath every single day because for me I do breath work as well I don't do the breath work daily but I do do breath work and it's so so powerful because it's about self-optimization. It's about life optimization. It's about so much more than just business. It's about really putting yourself first and recognizing that you cannot pour from an empty cup. And David Goggins is an absolute hero of mine. He talks about the accountability mirror a lot. And whenever I see myself going downhill or dipping a little bit, I look straight back in that mirror. And I did it just two weeks ago, looked in that mirror and I thought, what am I turning up. I'm a high performance person. Am I turning up as the best version of me every single day? My energy seems to be like an 8 out of 10. It's definitely not a 10 out of 10. That's not the level I accept for myself. So I've set up a Facebook group. I'm now doing the 75 hard challenge. It's another layer of accountability. It's time to it's time to move up. It's time to go again. And that's not for everybody. That's fine. And not everyone's got the same levels of aspirations as I do. And by the way, I do this, Matt, because I know I can't even remember what what the question was. I think it was about my practice. <laughs> okay. Well, I wrote down, I was going to ask you another question when you started talking about the inner work, but then you said you take a five minute ice bath every day. And then instantly in my mind, which is like super ADD going a million miles an hour, I, I went back to the first time I ever took an ice bath. And I thought I was King Tut, man. I was going to get this down. No problem. And I literally shrieked. And now I love it. I do an ice shower every day and an ice bath about once a month. I love what you're talking about. Can you take us back your first ice bath? What was that experience like for you? So, okay, right. This is the complete opposite of what Wim Hof will tell you to do. The complete opposite, okay? So don't do this at home for anyone listening. My husband has been doing the breath work and the cold water immersion for years, for a lot longer than I have. And but he was just doing the cold showers. And I decided to get him. I thought I'll get one of these like 
tubs that you can put in your garden. This was December. It was a couple of years ago, maybe December 2020, I think. And something had happened. We'd had quite a stressful situation going on personally. And I'd, I'd woke up in the night and I, I wasn't sleeping well. This was the third or fourth consecutive night and my anxiety was starting to creep up a little bit. So when my husband woke up, I said, that new ice bath's arrived. I'm going to jump in the ice bath. And he, he is, I'm, I'm portraying him in a bad light here because he genuinely is the most supportive guy ever. But he knows me, right? And he knows what I'm like. If I go to the shower after him and he's forgot to switch it from cold back to hot, like I jump out, I shriek like a big girl, like, ah, cold water, no! <laughs> and he, he just kind of looked at me and he laughed. He's like, you're not, you're not going to do an ice bath. So I was like, We'll see. It was like red rag to a bill. And anyway, I let my husband go first. Bear in mind, he's a professional. He's been doing these cold water showers for years. And he did four minutes. So I thought, I'll see your four minutes and I'll raise your four minutes. And it was great. Like it, I went and I just went very first ice bath, probably ridiculously unsafe to do this. But I did five minutes, got out of the bath. And I was like, beat ya. And my husband's like, he's the least competitive person ever. He was like, look, this is for your own like spiritual experience. This is to optimize your health. I was like, no, it wasn't. This was just to beat you. Like, I just wanted to win. <laughs> the claws come out. The real competitor comes out. I think we just found the trigger. Just challenge Ellie, especially if you're the husband. Challenge Ellie. And that's how you might motivate her, inspire her. Awesome. Yeah. So you weren't even thinking about how cold it was. You were thinking about, I just got to beat him. That's all I was. I just need to. I just need to beat him. You know what? It's really interesting as well because I'm doing this 75 hard challenge at the moment, and and it's kind of my group. So I like to go in and do a live every day just to sort of inspire people and just to see where they are and get them to check in. But when I go in the ice bath, normally like five minutes is. I have went longer than that, but that's usually about right. But when I start doing these Facebook lives in the ice bath, which is perhaps a bit of an unusual thing to do, I get into flow and I start talking, and people jump on the lives. And sometimes I realise I've been in there like 15 minutes. <laughs> so you have to keep tabs on it. Wow. Well, for those of us who don't know, uh, the 75 Hard Challenge, that's from Andy Frisella. It's that app where you have a certain number of regulations you have to live up to, which for some are some very high standards. For some, it's probably simpler, but it's it's 75 days of living this way. Are there any particular parts of that you love the most or they're the most challenging for you on your 75 Hard? And what day are you on? Yeah, we're, we're only on day 11, so we're on the infancy with it. But you can see, so... <laughs> theoretically it's not that difficult but then you start thinking about some of the logistics like in a couple of weeks I'm off to Dubai and I'm leaving the house at four in the morning to travel to the airport and then I'm going to be at the airport for three and a half hours and then I've got the flight and then you've got to do you know wait for your bags and blah 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 and then I'm getting to the hotel probably at 10 o'clock at night and you're thinking right okay I've got two 45 minute minimum workouts to do at that time so it's more I would say problem solving and I think again yesterday from the time of recording this to the US audience we a few things happened so our queen died yesterday over here and that kind of blindsided us I'd been taken out of the game in the afternoon because we had quite a, a serious incident happen in the office which required all three directors to basically down tools and we had to bit of crisis management going on so everything that I'd scheduled for that afternoon in, in fine detail it was one of those days where it goes out the window and you have to just deal with the situation at hand so I'd spent all afternoon dealing with that and then we found out the news that the Queen had died and we had a few other challenges going on with the children and all of a sudden it's got to 10 o'clock at night and then the awareness 
that I've not done my 45 minute, my second 45 minute workout. So it's little things like that that could easily knock you off when with the best will in the world things happen, things happen in life. And that's where probably the vast majority of people will say, look, it's out of my control, blah, blah, blah. But you can make money or you can make excuses in life. And that's something that I really live by. So at 10 o'clock, I just got my yoga gear on, did some power yoga for 45 minutes, didn't allow myself the the excuses. And I think it's just about the standard you're going to set for yourself and whatever that standard is people don't need to go from naught to 100 you mentioned the compound effect earlier i think it's it's important to say that because sometimes we, we talk about comparison if you're somebody who whether it's fitness or whether it's business or whatever it may be if you're comparing yourself and if, if you're overweight and you struggle to go and do a one mile walk and you're comparing yourself to somebody that's doing intense fitness every single day then you're setting yourself up to fail you need to sit you need to start from wherever you're at you determine the standard for your life once you set those disciplines for yourself you mustn't you mustn't stop and the compound effect of taking those small steps daily as you know Matt what you end up achieving over the space of time is incredible with the consistency I feel one place where I feel a little bit exposed is and maybe a little bit uh, my confidence starts to go down a little bit is that uh, I have a peloton and I I ride on that pretty frequently and I want to break into like the top numbers when I do these live rides, but I've not been able to get in the top like 5% yet. I'm pretty fit, but I've not been able to get in that top 5%. I'm always right around that 9 to 10% of the numbers down. I'm that guy down and it makes me feel a certain way. I have to remember that I'm only about a year into that Peloton journey and there's some people who've been doing this forever. So I have to remember that and it's not the comparison game. So thanks for the healthy reminder, Ali. Appreciate that. I'd love to go to maybe your standards. If there's one standard that resonates for you, it's one of your guiding values or guiding standards, what might that be? Do what you say you're going to do. That's hugely important to me. And it sounds so blooming simple, Matt, and it really is not. Do what you say you're going to do. That's my number one standard. I have it on my wall right behind the podcast. (laughs) That's the number one thing for me. Do what you say you're going to do. I love it. Probably my biggest frustration in business, it sounds a terribly negative thing to say, but I'm going to put a very positive slant on it. In my experience, the vast majority of people do not hold themselves to that standard. They do not do what they say they're going to do. But where that's a really empowering and positive message to the listeners is that if you are somebody that holds yourself to those standards, you are going to surpass everybody else like there is no tomorrow. And I couldn't believe when we started out in business, when we were just doing what I would call the minimum really for our clients and for our investors. Certainly in the early days, we weren't delivering a Rolls Royce service. We were very much, as I alluded to earlier, doing the start now, get perfect later. But we always did what we said we were going to do. And very quickly, people started treating us like some sort of demigods. And I couldn't understand it because I'm thinking of where I want to be in terms of how I want to operate and looking at where we were and thinking I'm not particularly impressed by what we're doing. But other people were just so blown away by the fact that we did those minimum standards. And I realized very quickly that set us apart, that put us in that top five percent and then actually as you start fine-tuning things and honing things and you do start delivering that Rolls Royce service then 
the world really is your oyster. So yes, it can be a frustration. And this is, it all boils down to the relationships, doesn't it? Because I'd like to think that the more that we learn and the more that we evolve in business and life, and I'm constantly testing and measuring, but the more that we get the right people at our team and we're connecting with the right people and we're learning through from our mistakes, we're having a lot less exposure to those people who don't see don't do sorry what they said they were going to do because that's such a big no-no for me 100 percent alignment i'm a fan of your top core value so much so i'll say it again for those of you who will see this later i have written on the wall right behind the the camera so i look at it every day and this is uh, this is number one do what you say you're going to do and so i admire and respect that you have that as well and yeah i'm pleased to hear that i'm glad to hear that so I'd love to ask you one more question before we move up and ask you how we can find out more about you. I'd love to ask you, what are you learning now? Intentionally, what is it that's on your horizon that you're, it's a skill or a mindset or something you're being forced to learn in business? Like, what is it that you're learning right now, Ellie? It's interesting, isn't it? I'm constantly learning about, on a personal level, I'm very interested in a lot more sort of plant-based medicine and alternative health and things like that. I think the, uh, whatever your views are over the, the situation, I think the last few years has certainly taught me that I need to be taking a lot more personal responsibility for my own health and fitness. So I, I'm connecting a lot with people who are in that space and that's quite fascinating. And yeah, just constantly learning professionally as well, constantly evolving our strategy we're now focusing a lot on I don't know if you call them holiday lets over there we're getting into luxury high-end accommodation like your Airbnb that type of thing but real sort of five-star level so that's quite exciting to learn a new aspect of real estate as well so if you're ever over in the UK we'll need to make sure we we hook you up for somewhere nice to stay or same, same for your listeners Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. And I'm just going to keep asking questions because we have a little bit more time. I'd love to ask through this growth in the business, personal growth, thriving relationship with husband, what are you modeling or what do you want to intentionally model for your children that they see mom doing this and this is good. I want to be like that or do that. What are you modeling for your children? So I'll give you a story. This is one of probably my proudest moments as a mom. Because I mentioned at the earlier stages of the setting up the real estate business that sacrifices were made. And because of the nature of the roles that my husband and I have within the business, I tend to be the one who does the traveling. I do a lot of public speaking or client meetings. I travel across the UK for, for in-person events and things like that. I'm also involved in a lot of masterminds. And at times that's meant that in the earlier days, I wasn't as present. I'm certainly not someone that's absent from a children's life, but quite often I would have to go and, go and travel. I mentioned before that I was pretty, well, okay, I, I don't think I actually mentioned this. I'm absolutely terrified of public speaking. I was someone who genuinely couldn't leave the house. I was having panic attacks and things. So I remember when I did that property training, I had to do a little 30 second introduction in front of a room full of 16 people, 17 people. And I was absolutely terrified. Like the knees were shaking. I was sweating. It, it was horrible. My heart was just beating out my chest. And I know there'll be people listening to this that will resonate with that because it's, although it's completely irrational, it's a, a greater fear for a lot of us than death, which is absolutely insane, really, when you think about it. But as I continued to, to push myself 
face the fear and do it anyway, I would start speaking in front of bigger and bigger crowds. Whenever I was given an opportunity, I would always just say yes and figure it out later. And I still do that to this day. I'm like, yeah, 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 no problem. And then I'd shut the door and get off the phone. I'm like, ah, now what am I going to do? But you figure it out. You figure it out. And anyway, I was asked to speak at this property event in in Glasgow in Scotland. And really, it was just a very short slot. It was five minutes. I was basically just giving a glorified testimonial, sharing a little bit about our story. But at the time, it was a huge deal for me because it was in front of maybe two, three hundred people, which at that point was by far the biggest crowd that I'd ever spoken in front of. Anyway, I travelled to Scotland with the family because we live in England and my dad lived in Scotland at the time and we'd stayed overnight and what have you and used it as an excuse to catch up with some family. And on the day of the event, my husband was driving me there with the three children in the back and he was giving me a bit of a pep talk because I was sort of, I wouldn't say I was having a meltdown, but I was just like, oh my God, I can't do this, you know, limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs. And uh, this was a good few years ago now. And my husband was was being really fantastic and gave me the confidence to go out there and, and sort of show up as the best version of myself like he always does. And anyway, someone at the back of the room had sent me a video from the event of me getting onto the stage, doing my talk, and then I got a stand innovation. And I'd WhatsApped that to my husband. Now, unbeknownst to me, my husband had taken the three children to this play centre which wasn't terribly far from where the event was and there was one of these huge big climbing wall where you do like a bit of rock climbing and you've got to get to the top of this wall in order to get down the giant slide which was like the thing all the kids wanted to do and my eldest daughter must have been well she's 10 now so she was maybe six at the time and she would go and attempt this climbing wall and she'd get so far and then she'd come down she'd get too scared and then she'd try it again and she'd get so far and she'd come down and she was too scared. And this kept going on and kept going on until eventually she went back to my husband and she said, Daddy, Daddy, you know, I, I can't do it. I'm too scared. I can't go up the climbing wall. And my husband showed her the WhatsApp video I just sent him of me getting on the stage and says, look, this is mummy. Because she'd been privy to the conversation. She knew how scared I was. And she turned around and she said, Daddy, I remember what mummy said. Mummy said that being brave doesn't mean that you don't get scared. Mummy says that being brave means that you get scared, but you do it anyway. The Mackay girls can do anything. And she just went to this climbing wall and she climbed up it first time and she went down that slide. And I just thought, boom, this is why we're doing it. This is why we're doing it. It's not about how many properties we have. It's not about becoming a gazillionaire. They're byproducts of being good at what you do and adding value. This is what we're doing. This is the impact we're making. Awesome. Awesome. Ellie, thank you for sharing that story. Thank you so much. How might our listeners find out more about you and follow you and just hear everything that you're sharing? Because we're enthralled. Please share, share some more. Well, I'm I'm everywhere on social media at the moment. LinkedIn's probably, yeah, I'm now on TikTok. I'm finally embracing TikTok. I'm all over Instagram. I'm on Facebook. But of course, the main place to find me out on YouTube if you want to watch my podcast videos. But yeah, really, you'll find me on Apple. You'll find me on Spotify. It's the On A Mission podcast with Ellie Mackay. Like I say, if you want to watch the interviews, then check us out on YouTube as well. But please drop me a message. I respond to every single message. So if you've got value from this interview, drop me a message and let's connect. Absolutely. Thank you. You have been fantastic today. We so much appreciate you and love you. And thank you so much for being on the Eternal Optimist podcast. Ellie Mackay.
on the Mission Podcast. Follow her and listen to her. You will definitely be better for it or you'll definitely be someone that can overcome more by listening to her on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Ellie, for being with us today. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.